Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting experts straight talk in your ear. These podcasts deliver great interviews with industry leaders and Zweig Group's three decades of invaluable research, leadership, management, marketing, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop personally and professionally, wherever you are. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm here with you today with another special episode. I wanted to uh, bring to you several of the breakout sessions and other keynote addresses from our hot firm event uh, this year in Dallas, Texas, took place in September of 2018, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But there's just, just some great content as I go through and listen to all the different sections that we've had on. And today I want to share with you some feedback from some of the best firms to work for. We did a best firm to work for panel. And we also do a best firm to work for award, which is an award that uh, firms uh, at um, in the design industry, their employees give feedback on their firms through a survey. And that that survey is then graded. And we use those grades to determine who are the best firms to work for and what separates them from other firms in the design industry that maybe aren't the best firms to work for. Uh, I guess that's the easiest way to put it. But there's some great information there. Um, we get a chance to dive deeper and into the survey itself. We get the these guys on this panel, uh, along with our own Kyle Ahern, um, who is uh, part of our awards group and uh, does so many amazing things here at Zwy Group. Uh, Kyle is the is the host for this panel, and we had some outstanding individuals that were all either number one or number two in their respective categories um, uh, there for best firm to work for. And um, those individuals included Brian Bowers, who was president of Bowers and Kubota Consulting, which was number one best firm to work for in architecture and number one best firm to work for in civil and number two best firm to work for in multidiscipline. Um, Paul Grosser, president and CEO of PW Grosser Consulting, which was number one in environmental. Laura Nick, who is the corporate communications leader um, for Garver, 
uh, which is an uh, which is a design firm based out of Little Rock, Arkansas. They were number one best firm to work for in multidiscipline. And Brent Wright, who is the CEO of Wright Engineers, and they were number one best firm to work for in st- the structural engineering category. And this session runs about 60 minutes, but it's chock full of really great information, great tips and advice on how to create an atmosphere, how to create a culture um, to ultimately have a best firm to work for. And it's something that I think every design firm should uh, endeavor to reach. Uh, and it doesn't doesn't happen by accident. It's not happenstance, but it's something that you you achieve over time. Uh, that you a listen to your employees, figure out exactly what they want, and figure out a way to give it to them. Of course, without bankrupting the company, but at the same time making sure that the promises that you make to the general public, um, that you stand true to your mission, that you stand true to each and every um, individual that's it within your organization, and that you can hold your head high, saying that you're able to you you create a, a, an amazing environment for your people. And I think a lot of that plays into it. I just had a chance recently to go visit with a firm based out of uh, Texas, an outstanding um, design firm. It's an architectural firm, focuses primarily in the K through 12 industry. And I was blown away by their um, their culture. I was blown away by the way that they interact with each other, the way that they care about each other. Um, they took a, a couple of days off to have a retreat for the whole company where everyone was invited and um, they didn't have to take PTO or anything like that. And the company really, you know, poured into them with a lot of outstanding um, sessions and panels and um, keynote speakers and just continue to develop their people. And as I talked to each and every uh, individual, as many as I could talk to, there were over 300 people there. Um, I, I got the sense that, you know, they like coming to work every day. And there's just the attitude of the company from the CEO on down makes for a great environment. So I think in terms of ultimately becoming a best firm to work for, it starts at the top, obviously, but um, it works its way down from there. And I think, you know, kind of listening to Brian and Paul and Laura and Brent and um, the rest of the participants of this best firm to work for panel, I think you'll get an idea of, of just what what a little bit of what goes into making a best firm to work for if you're endeavoring to be there if you want to get there and learn more about the best firm to work for um, process and how your your firm can participate in 2019 um, at the end of this uh, please just uh, feel free to reach out to us um, once you've listened to this podcast and uh, a let us know what you think about the podcast but b um, just give me shoot shoot an email to me to rwilburn at zygroup.com. I'll put you in touch with the right people. We'll get you set up for 2019 and see if you can't be a best firm to work for or if you at least can't figure out what are the challenges that you're dealing with internally. Um, sometimes we just don't ask the right questions. And I think uh, the best firm to work for survey is is one way of doing that and maybe figuring out what uh where your areas uh, of improvement lie. We all have room for improvement. 
even these firms that are best firm to work for panels weren't always best firms to work for. So um, why don't you take a listen to what they've done and see if some of that could be helpful to you within your space, within your organization, and how you can ultimately become a best firm to work for. I think this is certainly an achievement that we should all be um, shooting for as organizations in the design industry. You want to be a best firm to work for. A, it's going to help you attract and retain the best talent possible. And it's going to create a better work environment, which means better project management, which means better delivery of high quality projects, high quality designs, and ultimately high quality outcomes for our clients. And um, with that, let's get on to the show. Here is the best firm to work for panel from Hot Firm 2018 in Dallas, Texas at the Fairmont Hotel. Our own Kyle Ahern is hosting this panel. And um, even I, yours truly, had a chance to chime in on some some interesting tidbits of information on what some firms are doing to attract and retain the best talent um, when it comes to uh, one, one retention tool, which would be um, figuring out ways to um, help pay off student loan debt. And I go more more into it uh, in the actual um, session itself. So take a listen. It's about an hour long. Break it up. Listen to half of it now. Listen to the other half later when you're on your treadmill. And then again, hit me up and let me know what you think. We really appreciate you checking out this Wide Letter podcast. As always, we always have great things for you. Get a free copy, a free issue of this Wide Letter. Um, you can download that every week uh, right on your computer comes out like clockwork every monday at 12 noon uh you can check out this zweig letter podcast uh the zweig letter rather by visiting zweiggroup.com click on the zweig letter icon and subscribe for free we promise we won't spam you we'll only send you great information it's the one of one of one of if not the longest running um design industry newsletters um, and I'm proud to be a part of what Zweig Group has been doing for several years. And, and the Zweig letter is uh, no exception to that. So check out the Best Firm to Work For panel from Hot Firm. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. So uh, welcome to the Best Firms to Work For panel. Uh, my name is Kyle Ahern. I'm the awards manager at Zweig Group. Um, if you have participated in any, in any of our awards, I'm sure I've harassed you a little bit. Um, so uh, with me today, we have uh, four firms that each placed first in their respective categories. Um, from Wright Engineers, we have Brent Wright, who was the number one structural engineering firm. Uh, from PW Grocer Consulting, we have Paul Grocer. Uh, from Bowers and Kubota Consulting, we have Brian Bowers. They were uh, number one in civil engineering and architecture. Uh, uh, P.W. Grocer was number one in environmental services. And then at the end, we have Laura Nick from Garver, who was number one in multidiscipline. So um, I'm going to let them just get, let, uh, let them give you a little bit more information about their firm, and, and then we'll go ahead and get started with some questions. Brent Wright, uh, Wright Engineers. We're structural engineers. I like to tell everybody we're just humble structural engineers trying to make the world a better place for all of you. And uh, we have four offices. We're in uh, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Irvine, Salt Lake City. We just uh, celebrated our 20th anniversary and uh, we're licensed in all 50 states to do projects in just about every state. Paul Gross with PW Grosser Consulting. We're about a 75-person firm. 
located on, primarily on Long Island. We have offices in New York City, uh, smaller offices in Syracuse and now Albany, as well as uh, Seattle, a little off the beaten track for us. Uh, the elevator speeches, are, we're a broad-based environmental firm, so we do a lot of water and wastewater work on the engineering side. We do uh, phase one, phase two site investigations, um, Superfund sites, brownfields redevelopment. We also have niches in hospital waste management, um, geothermal heating and cooling, and uh, compliance for fueling systems at airports. So um, that's it. Uh, Brian Bowers with Bowers and Kubota. We're a 200-person architectural engineering firm, um, kind of specialized mostly in project and construction management, uh, based uh, on Oahu, which is uh, our offices right outside Honolulu, Hawaii, which is the most populous island. We have offices on, on all the uh, Hawaiian islands and really concentrate our business uh, in Hawaii and uh, in the Pacific Rim. So I'm trying not to be intimidated just sitting up here next to these three guys. I'm the only one that my name is not on the door and CEO is not after my, uh, is not my title. So I'm, I'm happy to be here to represent Garver. My name is Laura Nick and I'm the corporate communications leader. Uh, Garver is a Civil, uh, I want to say we're, we're 99. That's, that's my biggest selling point right now is we're turning 100 next year. We're based in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, but we have 27 offices and 575 employees now. But heavy, heavy civil infrastructure is our focus. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so first question, each of your firms placed first in your respective categories. Now, we hope uh, with all of the information that comes from the, this Best Firms to Work For Award, um, not only for us, but for, for your firms, that you can continue to get better. So uh, as, as number one Best Firms to Work For, how do you manage the process of taking the employee survey data and continuing to improve your uh, firm? Sure. So we every year, then when we get the results back, then we look at, uh, we, we track like the big things that we heard. Um, last year was really the first year that something popped up that we weren't aware of. Um, so we started getting some comments about uh, our employees not being satisfied with our maternity and paternity leave policy. And we never really heard that from our employees before. So uh, that was the thing we, we started looking at how we could do better last year. We thought it was really just an issue of communication. Um, and then this year, our CEO and CEO went on a town hall tour of all of our offices. And then we heard it again really strongly. Like after the first three or four of our 27 visits, then our employees were voicing their concern about that policy. And so because we'd already had the best firm survey results, then off the bat we said, hey, okay, they've been talking about this really hard for a year. We need to do something about it. And so Dan and Brock, our CEO, CEO, immediately said, okay, we're listening, and we're going to come in and make this a better policy. And then our employees said, hey, thank you for doing what you do and listening to our feedback. So I think it's really important that we communicate, yes, we're, we're listening to what you're saying, and here's what we're doing about it. Um, kind of similar to what Laura said. Um, so we actually, if, if you compete for the best places to work and you're not purchasing that open response report from Kyle and his people, I'd highly, highly, highly recommend that. Um, because in that it'll have you know very detailed answers 
to uh, all the questions, and, and the most important ones are, are you know, what what makes this the best place to firm, or what what doesn't make this the best place uh, firm? You know, what one question would you ask the CEO? And and when you digest that, and we've done this, I think it's our eighth year. We, we've um, we've competed for this award, and we've been honored to to you know do fairly well in it. Um, there's a lot of feedback there, and, and kind of similar to what Laura said, we track that and kind of see if there's any any trends. You know, and, and one or two people saying it, not a big deal. If four or five people say it, then that might be a problem. And so I, I think if you're a best place to work, you got to have a culture of continuous improvement. So I think it's already ingrained in your culture anyway. And listening to the employees, and then you know, we um, we hold twice a year meetings. In addition to this, we also uh, compete for the best places to work uh, in Hawaii, which is a little different survey, but the good thing is, is they're exactly six months apart. So we have two data points every year. It, they ask slightly different questions, but both run by the same firm, and it's similar criteria. 75% is really what the employees say that make you a best place to work firm, and then 25 um, from what the company's policies are. So, so you know, we back brief the employees, say, you know, here's what, here's what we heard. And then even if there's something ridiculous, you know, like we always get the term, you know, let's have a nap room. Well, we ain't going to have a freaking nap room. Um, but at least you tell them that. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, so you're listening to, like Laura said, you're, you're listening to them and you report back and, and, um, and with a reason. And so I think they just want to be heard. And then if it's a good idea, then, yeah, then, then we'll go ahead and implement it. So I think that whole idea of a, a continuous improvement culture is something that you want ingrained in your company. I think I'll play off Brian's comments on the continuous improvement. I think that's probably while we're all sitting up here. We're always looking to uh, improve the employee experience, really. Uh, we're in the process right now of reviewing our health care, and, and we pay for 100% health care, whether it's a single family or whatever. And we're trying, it's a lot of money, <laughs> and we're trying to save some. Uh, and we, I think we're going to achieve it and still maintain the employee experience, and, and they'll get you know complete health coverage on our, our dime, but we're just changing a little different system, and we're taking a little more risk where the insurance, rather than the insurance company, but we think we can save a lot of money because we have a pretty young and healthy, healthy group. So that's the kind of thing that we look at. Um, we, we try to look at it from the employee's point of view. Uh, the other aspect we always score very highly on is just integrity and truthfulness, so that they, they feel they're working for a firm that's telling them the truth and working with clients who are, who are truthful clients and clients you really want to work for. Uh, we, t we talk about improving the quality of our clients all the time. Uh, so those kind of things. So we're always kind of looking at from their point of view as well as ours and uh, trying to help them um, feel comfortable. Oh, I, would, I would definitely agree. If you don't get the uh, survey results, you should, you should get it. Um, very helpful. Uh, I think every firm that's trying to be a, a good firm probably is going to get mostly positive feedback, but it's those small things that, that uh, the, the small comments, not the nap room, but other comments that, that can really be helpful to uh, maybe make a little improvement. Some of our feedback uh, that we saw we had areas to improve was on communication, so we implemented uh, better, more formal one-to-ones where every employee has a mentor that they can meet with regularly. And, um, you know, one was about uh, maybe some paid time off for uh, um, maternity and paternity leave. So we, we looked into that and realized that that was something that, that maybe we were behind the curve on. So 
there seems to always be something that, that uh, you can add, and that's a, that report is a great way to find that. Um, and and uh, and then on top of that, you you can only throw so many benefits and perks at your employees uh, if you're not making money. So along with, uh, I guess, nap rooms or whatever, if that's what somebody really wants, uh, and and adding great benefits, you got to make sure that you're bringing in the projects that uh, will allow you to grow and be profitable and keep your employees interested in, and engaged and excited. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you all are all number ones, but continuous improvement, I think, has been a, a, a trend across the board here. So, um, and, and I'd like to just say, if, if anyone has any questions for any of our panelists, feel free to, to raise your hand. We'll get you the mic, and, and you can go ahead and ask them. It's a pretty open forum. So um, now, now moving on, um, uh, re recruitment and retention continues to be uh, the number one issue firms are facing. There's a, I guess you could call it a talent shortage right now. Um, so what uh, what are your firms doing to make sure one you're recruiting and then two retaining those key employees making sure that they aren't wanting to go somewhere else and we'll start with you Brent well this is a true story you're probably gonna think I made this up but um, we had we hired three brand new graduates from schools we weren't recruiting at at all and when they came to and they were top top Recruits, and uh, when we talked to them, the reason they found us is because we were listed on the Zweig Best Firms list. So uh, we would never have gotten them any other way. We weren't looking at all in those schools. So, and they've turned out to be fantastic. So, right off the bat, for if you're looking for new recruits, uh, and each of them told us that they were on Google searching for best firms to work for. That was their criteria. So, um, and then. Uh, uh, just one more thing as far as retention. Uh, one day, uh, there's an engineer in, in, uh, in our office overheard a phone call across the cubicle, and the conversation was something like, no, I'm, I'm not interested. No, no one else in our firm is interested. We're number one in the nation. <laughs> so so uh, that's just a, that's a great thing if you're ranked on if you're listed by a reputable list as being a good firm to work for, that goes a long way, both to get new people and to keep your people, because as you all know, everybody's after our people. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time on recruiting, and it, it's part of the networking that we do as an organization. So um, we've got a relationship with uh, Stony Brook University, and you know I'm on their Civil Engineering Advisory Committee, we were, do, we were doing, uh, providing projects for their senior capstone projects. So we have an engineer work with their students. So we have this relationship. And they know about us. And, you know, we also advertise that we're number one uh, on the best firms to work for. So uh, that's good. And we also recruited a number of other colleges. Uh, we're also finding now, you know, the, the networking of getting our people out involved with professional societies as far as recruiting project managers and the like, uh, we're being pretty successful. We're, we're recruiting very senior people. Uh, and it, it's a, it's a um, comp competitive situation out there, but we're finding we're taking advantage of other firms that, that are failing. We're, we're seeing 
uh, firms failing for lack of transition strategy. Either they just, you know, we had one firm, you know, one partner was 87, the other was 73 or something, or, se or 83 or something, but big, big numbers, and the one guy gets indicted and the company just kind of implodes, and we start pulling some people off of that. Um, the other firm, we, we just hired someone yesterday um, where there was no ownership transition, and, it, and through a lack of transparency, there wasn't any um, indication that there was. You know, she said they might have gone to some venture capitalists or something for a little bit, but she didn't know. So there was this lack of transparency. So, and we were able to pick her up, you know, essentially at no increase in pay or anything else. She came right over and she's bringing a bunch of clients. So uh, being out there, it, being a, known as a great firm to work for is really important and just taking advantage of these opportunities when they come up. Um, yeah, in addition to the best place to work, which is a great recruiting tool in itself, um, like uh, Chad said this morning, we uh, our biggest source of, of new recruits is, is the employees. Um, and if you don't have some kind of uh, incentive uh, for uh, when employees refer somebody, a monetary incentive, I would highly encourage you to do that. We, we started that a few years ago, and, and uh, that's been very, very successful. Um, and it's kind of a tiered tiered process where, you know, the harder to find positions are, are, you know, paid a little bit more than the others. And it has to be significant. It can't be like $500 or something. So, so we do that, um, and we pay it in two increments at 90 days to make sure the person is still there, and then again at a year. Um, so I wouldn't give it to them all up front either. I would at least wait at 90 days. Um, so that's been very successful. Hawaii is kind of a unique market because it's kind of closed, high barriers to, you know, to bring in new people. So, so we found that to be good, although we have used uh, some recruiters in the past, marginally successful. Um, on, the, on the retention side, uh, I would highly encourage you to just make sure that you're always looking at your, at your benefit programs. And it's not a bad idea to, to if you're not you know, collecting the data from the best place to work, is survey your employees about what benefits are important to them. Um, because, you know, the market's, market's changing and, and um, you know, it's not just pay. It's obviously total compensation and kind of similar to, um, to some other firms. We pay 100% of people's health care. That's including the family, uh, which is a huge expense. Um, but, you know, that's what keeps a lot of our people. When, when people have tried to leave, there a lot of firms have tried to, they'll come back and tell us, which is always encouraging. I got recruited by this person, and yeah, thanks for letting us know. And a lot of times they'll say, yeah, they were offering a little bit more money, but, you know, they're going to make me pay for my health care, et cetera, et cetera. And, and when they look at the total package, our package is far superior, although the, the pay may be, may be slightly less. So, so constantly look at that. The other thing is the onboarding process in the, in the re recruiting or in the retention piece. So once you recruit somebody, you want to make sure that, you know, when they get there, they, they feel at home, they're engaged, and we, we uh, assign a coach, which I think is kind of helpful, make sure that their first day goes well, and then checking up with them for two to three months to make sure that whole process is, is, um, uh, is, is satisfactory. So I think we never stop recruiting, and what I mean by that is we're constantly still pursuing our own employees, constantly communicating with them. So I came to Garver to start the recruiting program. They were a 225-person firm then, and they had all these great assets. I mean, that's why even Garver showed up in my Google search, because they had all these great assets. But once I got there, I realized they weren't talking about them, and they weren't letting their employees talk about them. So they were selling to potential hires as hard as they were selling to potential clients. 
And so one thing that we did, I think, that, that really helped us in, in the height of uh, our growth, which I still, uh, maybe we're still in, but um, was lining up our recruitment team and our HR team very, very closely with our communications and marketing team so that they were all saying the same messages. So whatever we were saying to our employees, we then saw them go out and say to our clients, and our clients would say, oh yeah, well, we heard about your great thing at Garver, we heard about your big annual meeting, heard about your awesome gym, and then they say, oh, you're happy, you're, you got the happiest employees, everybody's so happy at Garver, we see what you're doing, and guess what? Then they give us more work. So that's the cycle, that, so we keep pumping all this investment into our current employees and our potential employees, because then that cycle keeps coming back around to us, and that's the best part of our recruitment and retention tools. Great. Well, uh, I heard a couple of you mention, you know, compensation and uh, benefits packages. So, uh, Brian, I'll start with you on this one. How um, how is your firm making sure that you're staying competitive as far as um, total compensation, base pay, or pay as well as benefits? How how are you making sure you're competitive with the market? Thank you. Good question. Um, so uh, I know there's national surveys out there, and I think Zweig does a good group or a good job of, of kind of compiling information. So we're, we're looking at that. Uh, what's more important for us, though, is, once again, because Hawaii is kind of unique, as, as I'm sure all the other places you work are unique, um, is the local um, um, surveys and um, uh, the local chapter in Hawaii of uh, American Consulting Engineers Council does a good job of doing uh, surveys every year. So we're constantly looking at that. Um, and then um, emphasizing again to the employees that it's not just about salary. You know, it's, you know we, we give twice a year bonuses. Um, we have you know, a lot of other benefits, a 401k match, we're an ESOP, so, so that's all uh, important. But like I said, the healthcare piece is, is huge with our employees, and we don't discriminate. Um, so even secretaries uh, or our administrative people get fully paid healthcare for their, um, uh, for their entire families. Uh, to include medical, dental, drug, et cetera. Um, so it, it's, it's constantly, once again, looking at the marketplace, you know, where are we in comparison to everybody else, and, and, uh, and, and then adjusting your, your programs to make sure that, you know, you're competitive with uh, the other firms out there. And, and then communicating at the employees is that, you know, a lot of them don't understand that the health care piece is, you know, $1,500 per employee if it's a family, something like that. Um, a lot of them have no idea that that. So we put out a brochure and says, you know, this, these are all the benefits you're getting in addition to your salary. And, and I think they're, they're frankly shocked at that, um, that that's, that's, you know, what you're getting uh, in total compensation. So concentrating on the total compensation piece, you know, versus just the salary, I, I think is very, very, very important. Yeah, we do the same very much so. Uh, we're always selling total compensation. We're not selling salary, you know, and um, every year... Each employee gets a total compensation sheet that says, this is how much I made in salary, this is how much your health insurance was, this is how much your ESOP contribution was made by the company, this is how much you know, tuition reimbursement was if they had that. We have a, there was a particular program um, in the county we we're in to, to attract and keep young people and make them homeowners. And the company can, would, would give a, a loan, essentially it's a forgivable loan to the employee, and through the county, it would parlay into about $70,000 for a new house. It would allow them like $35,000 towards a down payment and another $35,000 towards um, improving the home before they moved in. A huge benefit that you know, most people don't get to see. It happened to be 
the location we were in helped it out. But um, those kind of things, we would put that down there, and when we attract new employees, we don't give them, this is your salary, you know, and it's for 40 hours or whatever. We'll go through, this is your salary, and this is what you'll get for your health insurance. This is how much the other benefits are and what their value is so that they can see what they're getting. And we're hiring people for less salary than they're being offered, but when they look at the total compensation package, it's significantly different, and, and we're, we're much better. And we've had people take pay cuts to come to us, you know, largely for the improved benefits and, and, and a nice place to work. Uh, we've had people leave firms because they get great big bonuses or great big um, raises, and then all of a sudden they were asked to do a lot more than they had bargained for and maybe was pushing the envelope too much for the individuals, and they said, no, nah, I really shouldn't be doing this. So, uh, like I said, total compensation was where it's all at. Yeah, I wish there was a website you could just go to and it would tell you exactly what to pay somebody. Um, we look at different surveys. There are all kinds of surveys, as you know, and gives us data points. Doesn't we get more data points when we talk to our employees or when we're trying to recruit? It's an easy way to find out what the market will bear. Uh, but I, I think uh, there's always somebody willing to pay more. So that's why I think it's so important that, in addition to educating your employees on their total compensation. Um, there's all the intangibles, a great place to work, a feeling of belonging, security, uh, a feeling that their career has is, uh, got potential for advancement. Those are all, uh, you can't put a number or a price on those, but those are, I think, really important. And, and, and feeling like there's, um, they're part of something that's, that's bigger and more important than just going to a job and getting a paycheck. So. Um, that's, I, I don't know a magic answer to that. Great points. <laughs> okay, so um, from what I'm hearing, uh, everyone is extremely busy with work, and, and from some of the stats that Chad said, you know, we're, we, it's, it's hard to find time to reinvest in our, in our companies. Well, one thing employees really like is is the investment firms make in their training. So, how how does your firm or, or, or each individual firm up here? How, how do you handle balancing busy schedules with making sure that your your employees are uh, at on top of their training or are getting all the training that either they want or that they need? That that was actually one of the feedback items we got from the survey last year was uh, some people uh, wanted a little more formalized training. We, we, we do the usual lunch and learns and those types of things like everybody does. So we implemented a formal one-to-one -one, uh, program for everybody so that not everybody really wants to, everybody has a different goal in their career. Some people may just want to have a steady paycheck, I suppose. But a lot of the best of the best, as you know, want to see that there's a path for them forward. And so the one-to-ones were really helpful. Um, it's, we have, uh, we have uh, weekly uh, mini trainings every Monday morning in, our, in all of our offices that uh, provide mini training about not usually a technical thing, but something that, that uh, has to do with what we're about. Uh, and then we, we, uh, one of our uh, business partners has set up since we're structural engineers and, and in most of the states where we're 
uh, where our office is located, they have a structural engineer licensure, and, and so we set up what we call the Path to SE, where it's a formalized uh, training program where they can go and work with their mentor to, uh, to advance towards getting the licensure they want. So. Trainings like communication is never enough of it. Um, and we got carried away for the first six months of this year. We had you know, a, a ton of training, and it actually impacted productivity. And, uh, and we were buying lunch at every training thing, so we were buying lunch for everyone like every day of the week. So uh, the second half of the year, we've kind of cut back a little bit. Uh, but you know, lunch and learns, uh, internal uh, training, we have people making presentations on either their projects or, or different issues that they deal with so the whole company knows what's going on on different things. Um, I give what we call the PWGC 101 course periodically for new employees, just what's the company all about, what are, what's our goal, what's our mission, what's our values, um, you know, how, how we treat people within the organization, how we treat clients, that type of thing. So um, we, we keep trying to do it over and over again and I hope some of it sinks in, you know. Yeah, when uh, Paul said about the, it's like communication, you can never have enough of it. So on our surveys, I think the same person writes every year, more training. That's all he writes, more training. It's, if, if Mark was here, he'd say more bacon. You know, you can't, you can't have enough of that. Um, and, you know, I come from the Army background where everybody kind of got the same training. But, but you know, I think that, you know, training very has to be very individualistic. And... Um, and, and unfortunately, when they're busy, I think employees, they want more training, but yet they don't have, you know, I like that phrase, uh, path to SE or whatever. And I think you've got to kind of coach them and mentor them along. Our mentorship program kind of helps that um, with, with coaching and mentoring employees as to, okay, if this is the path where you want to go, um, or if this is where you want to go, here's the path to get there. Uh, because although they want training, that sometimes, you know, I always stand up in front of the, front of the group at, at these annual meetings and say, we have never turned down a training request that's reasonable. Um, and, and almost we've never turned down a training request. Um, and, but a lot of times employees don't, don't know what they want. So, you know, kind of helping, coaching them along, and, and, and then also incentivizing them again. You know, so a lot of our uh, people in our firm are technicians, so they're in the field and they have certain certifications for structural concrete or uh, special inspections and all that. So if they, if they, you know, we communicate that if you get, you know, certified in these things, you know, you get a $500 or a $1,000 spot bonus. And, and it's amazing, you know, how our, the number of accredited people went up, which makes us more valuable to our clients, you know, because now we have, you know, people that are maybe, you know, certified in multi-things. The client doesn't have to pay for, you know, different special inspectors. We have one person that can do all that. So it kind of feeds on itself. But, you know, that incentive, uh, that incentivizing people, you know, really works. Um, you know, I, I think I read somewhere that, you know, people do almost anything as long as it's like more than $10. For a $10 gift card, that takes people's, you know, that gets people's attention. For 500 or 1000 you know, trust me, they're going to they're gonna try and go and get that certification where if you're just telling them, yeah, it's good for you and your career, uh, especially a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old, it's, it's just kind of goes one ear and out the other. So, so don't, don't underestimate uh, some of these uh, incentive programs. We've really tried to focus on the overall uh, education of a person. Um, so not just the technical training. I think we do a pretty good job at that. But through our wellness initiatives, then we have tried to offer more. Um, and really the focus has been on reading, which sounds pretty simple. Um, but we have created, each office has a book swap. 
And so that's also given opportunity for somebody in that office to be seen as a leader doing something else. So they have to set all the book swap up, facilitate that whole thing, send out the information. And so that's also let us see like those lower level people, giving them a different opportunity to be seen in front of their peers. Uh, and then the other thing is we've created a leadership uh, book list. And so our leaders are reading different things and we put that on the internet and they make comments. They send it out, like a lot of times they'll send a note, you know, send this book with a personal note to an employee. And that means a lot to them. But we've also seen uh, incentivizing those employees to read too and giving them points back to their our wellness program, which gives them more of a discount um, on their health insurance, gets them reading different things. And we've got a really positive result of that over the last year. Yes. Um. So uh, we work in an industry that requires extraordinary effort a lot of times, and it also has extraordinary opportunities. But um, it's not only important to capture the hearts and minds of our of our team, but also it's important to somehow make a connection with that spouse back home. I'm looking for, and also that will influence a person's willingness to go somewhere else or willingness to not go somewhere else. So I'm just curious about any creative ways you all, it kind of goes in the communications line, really. How do you connect in creative ways with the spouse or show uh, what, how can the spouse feel like, man, I am so glad that my husband or my wife works there? We um, have two parties a year, a Christmas party and a, and a summer event. Uh, no clients, just employees and spouses. So uh, we encourage them to come. You get to know the names of the spouses and you get to chat with them about their children, about what they're doing, what their careers are. Uh, so you get a pretty good relationship with the spouses as well as the individual employees. We also have other events during the year that are less organized. But you know, we, ha we run as a um, corporate challenge running race that everyone's been using as like their corporate pic summer picnic. But we, ha you know, so we have people there and we actually run the race. Um, you know, as far as physically run it, we don't manage it. Um, and they bring their wife there, they bring their children, they're, they are involved in the event. So we try and do things that are family friendly. And you know, so I get to know the children and you know, and, it becomes more of a family atmosphere, and it's really helpful. Yeah, we do, we do something very similar. Um, you know, one of the comments that come out of the best place to work surveys is that, you know, this is a very family-centered company, which is, which is very refreshing because I think when you do employ, you know, people, and, and, you know, I think the younger generations are placing even more and more emphasis on their families. Um, so s similar to Paul, we, we engage employees twice a year with, uh, with events, a picnic, and, um, and, and then a Christmas party or holiday party, and we'll pay for um, people to fly in from the neighbor islands um, to come to Oahu for that, and all expenses you know, are, are covered for that, which I think the employees appreciate. And we also engage the families in our quarterly wellness events. Um, so they're invited to come for hikes or um, orange therapy challenge, or whatever the different events is, so that, that allows additional time to, to engage the uh, families. And then we allow our employees a certain amount of money every year for wellness, and they can use it for their families and their spouses, too. So, and, and one of the other comments that comes out in these surveys is, you know, God, you know, the, the, the owners and the, and the principals of the company know my, my wife's name, my kids' names, and all that. And don't think that you know, that influences, you know, them... Um, 
in a very positive way. It's like I think um, the one speaker was saying today is, you know, just go out and talk to people at these events and getting to know them. It, it's a very strong uh, incentive for them to stay, and they really feel that, you know, not only the employee is engaged, but, but so is the family. We allow a lot of children in our office. So, you know, if for some reason there's a problem with daycare or, or something like that, they're bringing the kids in the office a lot of the times. And so you get to know them and you get to meet them. And, you know, so it, it builds a much stronger relationship uh, that you know the names of the kids and what they're doing. And, you know, they're playing soccer this week or whatever. I just say amen to the family activities. I think that's a, a great thing and you should all do that. You probably are. Um, one thing that we have found to be really helpful, when I graduated from college, I was, was married, and, and uh, so my wife came with me on the recruiting trip to Sin City. I grew up in Salt Lake City area, and I, you know, here we are going to Sin City and, you know, to corrupt myself and, and her. And, and so it was good that she came with me uh, so that she could see that it actually it was a pretty good place to live. And, and so one thing that we've tried to do course you have to be careful because you can't one of the questions recruiting you can't ask you're married but but if we know that they are we'll invite them to bring their spouse because I think it's important for their spouse to come and feel welcome get to know the company get to know the area and uh, so right off the bat they realize it's a place that is welcoming to them oh a lot of questions okay uh, uh, we'll start right. I, just have, I just have a follow-up okay. mm-hmm. because you have a larger firm, of course, and including spouses, exponentially higher costs. You have you're the larger firm, so what do you, what is your firm doing? We do that too. We do do that too. Uh, we we very similar to these guys. We have multiple events. Um, there is a budget. I usually ignore it, but there is a budget. Um, <laughs> but the, we also do a lot of um, like uh, sports things and the, like sponsoring um, 5Ks, and then we pay for our families to go participate. So like this summer, we did one, um, our first one at Garver at Little Rock, and paid for all the families who wanted to for their registrations. So that gave that money to a good cause, and we try to get those families out there to do it together. Um, I heard a couple of y'all say that you uh, sort of gauge the benefits that you provide and make adjustments. Do you ever make adjustments down? And, and specifically, one thing we did, um, and we're st- we still kind of get comments every now and then, although I feel like we did it for the right reasons, is we took away overtime. Uh, just I didn't like the way it was operating. We took it away. A lot of engineering firms offer uh, overtime. So I guess two questions. One, have you ever taken away a benefit? Um, and how'd that go? And then two, do you guys do you guys offer or pay overtime? And then one one more thing. This one's simple. A couple of y'all uh, mentioned maternity paternity leave. Can you provide specifics on what you actually provide? Because when we looked through ours, wide comments that was in there two or three times, and it caught me off guard. I didn't realize it was a thing. Well, patern- I realized maternity leave was, but paternity leave I didn't realize that was a thing people were expecting, but they are.
Yeah. Yeah, so we, um, what we had been doing was for our paternity and maternity leave was that, and if there's HR people in the room, you'll correct me because this can be a little bit off, but you know, you have that seven day waiting period before your short-term disability kicks in. And then, uh, so we weren't paying for that. I mean, that was, that was, um, I mean, just you're taking vacation time or you're taking sick time or whatever. And so basically we just said, okay, we're going to, we're going to pay you for that week, you know? And so outright so you're not taking time off it's 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 not going against your sick or vacation time um we do pay overtime so we pay uh all all of our staff so administrative staff technical staff is all paid um overtime either straight time or time and a half and we we use that in recruiting big time because we work, I mean, our, as I'm sure we all do, we put in a whole lot of hours. So even on the offer letters, we will estimate how much overtime you think you're going to have. So we can say, because, you know, I, I didn't answer this salary question earlier. Um, we're not that, we know we're not that competitive. I mean, you're going to go next door and get paid somewhere else. But we also push those benefits so hard because uh, we don't focus on that one number. But overtime is a big part of that package. And so off the bat, we'll say, hey, we think you're probably going to work five hours of overtime. Even if it's, you know, my web developer. Hey, you, on average, you may work, you know, two hours of overtime. And so go ahead and put that in there. And when I'm doing the offer to them, I, I sell that hard and say, hey, it's not going to lie that you're not going to work overtime, but this is a guess just so you know where you're going to be financially. We, I can't answer the, what you've taken away. Okay, so I'll try and answer the three parts. So, so on paternity and maternity, uh, Hawaii has a mandatory temporary disability that, that the employer um, pays for at least half, and you can make the employee pay for their half. We just pay for the whole thing. But there is the seven-day waiting period, and we haven't waived that, but that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll go back and look at that. Uh, we haven't had – that hasn't really come up um, as an issue. On the paternity side, um, I don't know. We're not, we're not compensating people for that because I don't think that would qualify as temporary disability. Um, so, so we're not really doing anything on that. It hasn't come up as an issue. Um, on the overtime, uh, that is something that we've changed recently before. A lot of the field personnel that we have, we did pay, pay overtime. A lot of the office staff, the designers, we were not. Um, and we changed that in the last year because it was kind of coming up that there, there was an issue there. We tried to cover it in bonuses and things like that, but it gets really difficult sometimes to remember, you know, what happened six months ago. We pay bonuses twice a year. Um, so, so we kind of changed a little bit on that. And then the only people who really aren't eligible for, for those are, would be like um, principals and, and senior associates. So the top two levels are not. I mean, they're, they're just expected to work the 50, 60 hours a week. Um, and then, you know, uh, with those people? Uh, n- no, uh, uh, well, that's a good question. We, we, we kind of did a little bit, um, but I, uh, they're probably doing better with the overtime than they were without it before. Um, and that issue has seemed to kind of evaporate now. Uh, with respect to taking away benefits, the only thing I can think of, um, because that's never a good thing, even during the recession, we didn't you know, cut, make people pay for more health care, was 20 years ago, over 25 years ago, um, this was soon after I joined the firm, we used to have sick leave and, and vacation, and I suggested uh, that we just combine the two into, into PTO, and, and that, was, that was communicated that 
um, you know, hey, you know, instead of having two weeks vacation, now you really have three because a lot of people were accruing a bunch of sick leave. And probably 90% of the people saw that as a positive, oh, I get another week vacation. And then there was that 10% that said, hey, you're taking away the sick leave. But those were the people that, you know, they were probably abusing it anyway. Um, so, you know, some people saw that as, yeah, taking something away. But since then, we really haven't been. Um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully we can continue that. Yeah, um, maternity, paternity, uh, we don't have anything for paternity. You just take your PTO time. And, you know, we're, we obviously understand you should take, you know, like I say, oh, you know, we, you can't take the time off. But uh, they got to take it out of their PTO. Um, for maternity, we're, um, again, we don't pay anything for it. It's out of your PTO. We're very flexible on, you know, if you want to take an extra month, you know, go extra, take an extra, you're not getting paid for it. But you can, we're flexible on, on that time and letting people come back. We've got people who came back earlier. We just had a, a person who had premature twins, and actually two weeks after she gave birth and one was still in the hospital, she was working for a couple of weeks, and then she decided, well, maybe I should take a little bit of time. So we said, okay, go ahead. You know, take, I think she took three or four weeks, and then she just came back. Uh, is it working regular time? So we just give them the time off and we're flexible. And you know, a lot of people had to put in a lot of extra time because she wasn't around because she was in the accounting group. Um, overtime, uh, our first level people, so anyone right out of school, is essentially we put them on hourly so they get time and a half for their overtime. Uh, once you get put on salary, uh, if it's billable, we'll pay you straight time. If it's not billable, we don't pay it. Um, we feel if we get paid for it, then you should get paid for it. And the other stuff, you know, the guys on the top, you know, once in a blue moon, you get an hour or two of <laughs> overtime pay. Other than that, you know, we're working a lot of hours and on, you know, on our own. So, um, taking things away, all I can say is, you know, whenever you change anything, in their minds, you're taking something away. So, you know, we, we would change the health you know, periodically, just to keep within reason, you know, the health, uh, health insurance would come in at like a 15% increase, and we'd change it a little bit to get it down to six or eight, and people would always feel you're still taking it away from them. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of, you've got to bite the bullet on that, and they're not going to be happy all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think on normal times, I don't know how you could take stuff away without destroying morale or motivation. Um, I mean, our offices were all located in the epicenter of the Great Recession, so to survive, we, besides laying off 80% of our staff, uh, we uh, reduced pay and benefits, but uh, other, I, would, I can't imagine that going well other than that. People that remained were happy to have a job then. Um, I mentioned that we added paternity, or we call it paid family leave because we realized that we were behind the curve on that. It's not much, and it's not like we have people having babies all the time anyway, but it means a lot to those that do. Um, so it's, it's, really, it's, it's really a low-cost benefit that can mean a lot to some key people if, if, if they're having kids. Um, and then what was the last one? Overtime. Oh. Uh, so we, we've, we're taking baby steps. We, we do three days. It's three days more than they had. Um, as far as overtime, um, 
my personal philosophy is I would rather, I want people to focus on the results and not on the activity. It's not a badge of courage to work 70 hours in a week. I'd rather you get everything done in 40 hours and go home and see your family and have a life. So, so we only pay overtime to those people that we have to. If, uh, if they're exempt and they're on salary. But we, what we do to incentivize people to get things done is we have a profit-sharing plan that's tied in a way that uh, they're more than happy to do what they need to do to get the job done because they know that they're going to meet their profit-sharing goals. So that's what we do. Did you still have a question? Yeah, he. Thanks. Kind of goes maybe with taking away benefit, but you all mentioned lis uh, listening to your employees through the results from the survey. So maybe a different spin of not taking it away, but not adding a benefit that the employees are perceiving as a benefit. Maybe even analyzed it and realized it's not what's best for you as a company. Um, and I, I'm particularly familiar, Brian, in your case, you're in the civil engineering category, same as we are, and you've been at the top you know, for a lot of years. So how do you, the employee expectation now I'm sure is, you know, we're this great place to work, we're gonna have all of this nice stuff, when they ask for that nap room and you tell them no, how do you keep them, how do you keep that morale where, yeah, we're still the best place to work even though they're not listening to me in this case? Actually, I say, I say hell no. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question because on those surveys you, you'll get the, you know, what we, we've tried, and because we're an ESOP company, maybe we're a little bit different. So, so one of our mantras is we, not me. And that has, that has been such a powerful effect over the last six, seven years that, you know, now the employees are starting to say it. And when, um, when these kind of things come up, for example, you know, in the survey, why can't we have uh, fully paid medical after retirement? In other words, you know, like, like the old U.S. Steel or some of the unions. And that's what bankrupts people. Uh, you know, that's, that's an unsustainable benefit. Or, you know, the, the, the sick leave. Why can't we have two more weeks of sick leave? Um, and, and once again, so, so, so I, I put it out there to all the employees um, and say, you know, this is, this is what we heard. And, you know, we're not going to do that because, you know, we're an employee-owned company now for, well, first of all, I say, is that a we is that a we statement? And no, it's not. You know, so I don't want to embarrass any employees. They're all anonymous anyway. But you know, when, when 99 or 95 percent of the people are, are you know, understand that culture, that ownership culture, that ownership thinking, it, it's very easy to to you know kind of disregard or not disregard, but uh, have people understand that. You know, that's not something that the group wants. That may be just that, you know, particular individual. The retiree, obviously the guy is, you know, 65 or, or woman is in ready for retirement, but that's just not sustainable. And oh, by the way, why would you ever want to pay for somebody that's left us? I mean, they're not doing anything for us anymore. That's, that's, that's not helping the company. So, so when, you, when you get that mindset of, of, of ownership, uh, an ownership culture, it's very easy to, you know, get those 99% of the people on your side. Uh, and when you explain, you know, for two more weeks of sick leave, okay, well, that's two more weeks that you're going to be gone, potentially. That's going to affect, you know, the profitability of the company, which, you know, affects then, you know, the ultimate share price of, of you know, of your ESOP shares. You know, is that really something that you want? Is that, is that good for the rest of us? 
Um, so, you know, that message now, I don't even have to say it anymore. It's, it's, but I do, you know, those still, I think it's mostly the new people, you know, the why, you know, we had this before and they don't understand, you know, the kind of culture we're indoctrinating them. But, but yeah, it, it's, it's, that's been very, very helpful to, to help communicate to people that, you know, that, that's, that's a very selfish way to look at things. It's, it's not a team thing. And we're all about teamwork. It's one of our values. And, and, and as long as you kind of, you know, communicate those values back to the, the employees, they get it. Got time for one more? All right. Yeah, we'll. we'll, uh, we'll Good to you. Oh, or, it doesn't matter. Either one. Sure. sure. Thank you. In your benefits programs, uh, given uh, younger workers, I, I won't say the M word, but that was brought up here earlier. But uh, uh, given the high cost of college and uh, that many of your younger workers are dealing with, have you in your benefits program dealt with anything? I, I know another Zweig seminar I went to said a lot of companies are uh, creating mechanisms to help with payback of student loans or anything. Do any of you have those programs? And if you do, what are you doing uh, with that benefit? We do have tuition reimbursement. Um, so if you're pursuing something while you're a Garver employee, and we have had probably the last year a small handful, half a dozen of people that were maybe in a technician role and went and pursued their PE. Um, and so we then set up a program where it's, they have to work out their schedule. You know, they still have to be accountable for their 40 hours. Um, but then we, I think it's like 25%. So they go to, they go that semester, and then we don't start paying them back. I think for a whole year, that could be I could be a little bit off, but something to that. So really, it's more of like you're a com you're committing to us for four years because we're not going to pay you back um, immediately. Yeah, um, well, maybe two parts of that. So we do a tuition reimbursement program also when you're an employee, and it's geared toward you know what the one semester cost of, of tuition at the state University of Hawaii is four thousand dollars a year, and and there is if you leave you know within two years after that, then you got to pay us back. But I think you're asking about kids out of school going back and paying off their student loans, right? Yeah, and 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 I just starting to hear this. I went to a. I forget it was another conference or something, and uh, and someone asked us, you know, are we doing that? And and I was totally taken aback because I had not heard that. It's almost like a signing bonus, um, you know. So we're not a professional sports team, um, but but it is. It's apparently it's something that other firms are are doing, and uh, we're not doing it yet. But that's something that that kind of hit me is, hey, maybe we need to look at this. Um, Rather than that, what we've been doing is, is kind of what Mark said at the previous panel. We're really concentrating on the interns um, and trying to build, you know, get interns into the company. I think we had seven or eight this, this year um, and trying to grow that, that bench strength so you don't, you know, necessarily have that, um, having to recruit them and, and, and pay for their college, you know, as a, a form of bringing them on. We want to kind of grow them from when they're sophomores or juniors or something like that. But, but I have heard the same thing. Other firms are starting to do it now, given the competitive nature. But I don't know if you guys are paying for it. No, you know, I, I've heard it as well. And I, there are, I think, you know, major financial companies in New York City are, you know, paying off people's student loans, and they're paying them $120,000 a year, too, uh, which is not even close to what we, we're going to do. Um, but it's, it's something that's got to be on your radar. It's got to say, you know, uh, or do you 
you know, is it that going to turn the table for someone who's really good and you want to say, look, I want to give you a signing bonus and I, you know, I expect you to pay off your student loan. Um, my personal experience with giving money to my kids to pay off student loans is they don't pay off student loans because it's the lowest rate that they've got. So they pay off other higher rate <laughs> either credit card or, you know, port of their mortgage or something like that. So, uh, you know, student loans are, are pretty good rates. Um, tuition reimbursement, we, we do do that. Um, it's got to be pre-approved. Uh, we pay up to, I think it's, and it's, it's based upon your grade. So I think if you get an A, you get like 80, we pay up 80% 80, 80 of it. B is like a 60% and C is like 40%. And we don't tie it into the local college. So we get killed when someone goes to a private university, you know, go to, goes to NYU or something like that where it's um, huge tuition as opposed to the state school. Um, but you know that, that's we bite the bullet on that. We we do pay that, and uh, again, so this spring class that they take that's done in May, we won't pay it till Christmas time. So you know, it, they've got to show that they're going to be around <laughs> for a while. They're just not going to uh, quit in July after they're just finishing the course, and we paid them off in June. So um, that's how we do it. No, <laughs> I hope the world never comes to that. Um, we do um, we do sometimes assist somebody who maybe is taking a class at a university that will benefit them and us. But we're uh, we're an engineering firm, not an education firm, so we'll provide training. But uh, they need to get their education before they come work for us. You know, out of curiosity, any, any firms in the audience doing that? So you are, and you're you're paying for so to help help them pay off their student loans on certain ones. No, oh, is is there a dollar cap on it or? No. No. Yeah, see that I'd like that plan. Yeah, it is, and you you heard what I told you before. We actually. So it is changing, and I, I, I respect all of you guys. Totally disagree. you got to get on the ball with this because, first of all, number one, average student coming out of school, 35K in debt. It's real, folks. That's why, that's why the M word isn't buying homes because they've got too much student loans. So if you, as an, as, an, as an entity, says, hey, you know what? I know this is breaking your back. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to help you out. All of a sudden, you become their savior. Now, doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not suggesting you go out and spend 35k on their student loans and then you're you're stuck holding the bag. It's something that you a there's a recapture provision and you set it out over time. It is a retention tool. You can pay Chad and John and I 25 or 30k to go find you somebody, but you can also pay somebody 5k a year over five years or over four years. And before you know it, a they've been with you for a while. Now they love you because because you've helped them solve a huge problem that they all have have, and then it becomes a whole different thought process. Now, let me take it a step further. There are companies out there that are doing this, and they do it all for you. So you're not sitting there having to have your accounting firm take their time to create all of this. Gratify is one program out there that does it. I've actually already encouraged and had some design firms uh, go to Gratify to set up a program for themselves internally to pay a portion of it. PwC, I mean, there are, there's, 
uh, several dozen firms, obviously there are Fortune 500 firms and others that are already doing this on a regular basis. It is going to become a regular option and a, a huge retention tool across the industry. So in order to compete, as we want to do in the design space, we have to get ahead of the curve and start thinking about other creative ways to create retention tools and not necessarily always have to pay a recruiter or anything, heaven forbid, right? But to create opportunities to give people uh, some of their life back. And one way that you can do that is by helping them out with their student loan debt. And, it's, and I, would, I would venture to say it's not so much, you know, my God, I'm going to pay this money and I'll never Never see it back. It is you can you can measure the return on investment over a period of time, and no one's ever suggesting that you put out all this money up front. But there are there are tools in place that you can get right now that actually work. And as soon as Congress passes the bill that will take away the tax issue, then it will become even easier to do. So you know, it's just something to consider. Thanks, Randy. Uh, unfortunately, I, w I wish we could keep going, but we're going to get kicked out here because we've got the uh, the reception in this room at 5.30, so we got to get everything set up. But I, I really do want to thank uh, Laura and Brian and Paul and uh, Brent uh, for, for being on this panel and, and giving us some insight. So, so why don't we give them a quick round of applause? If you have any questions um, for them, I mean, like I said, we have the uh, reception in here at 530. We'd love to see everyone here. Um, or, or if you have any questions for, for me, feel free to uh, email or call anytime if you have any questions about the best firms to work for data. It might take me a minute because you saw 1.6 million data points, so it might take me a quick minute to get back to you, but I'll try and get back to you as soon as I can. But thank you all for being here, and we'll see you at the reception. Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter podcast episode. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about M&A, strategic planning, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe now to the digital version of the Zweig Letter free of charge. Just visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe and leave your email address. Your free subscription will begin immediately.